everybody, welcome to the inaugural episode of Believe in Boston Betting with Shukri Wrights on the Believe Podcast Network, wherever you may be, however you may be listening and watching this podcast. Thank you for making this podcast part of your routine, as I am very excited to be starting up this venture, talking Boston sports with a little hint of betting, you know, wagering on the side as well. You know, like for those of you that are f- pretty familiar with me and what I do, I am a sports radio host in the Boston area for 91.5 FM WMFO. And I also have my own personal podcast on the side on Shook Rice podcast on iHeartRadio and Odyssey and across all podcasting platforms, major and minor. You can also watch it on YouTube as well. So what can you expect? From Believe in Boston betting with yours truly, Shukri Rights. You can expect my honest opinion. You can expect some some inkling in terms of what can you um, look forward to in terms of wagering and betting for that given week's matchup or games to look out for. And as well as some passionate and fiery discussion as to what's got underneath my crawl. You know, it's not going to be 100% betting. It is going to be a mixture of honest, opinionated, passionate, and as well as, you know, some some idea as to what I might be thinking in terms of betting. I'll be upfront with you. I'm not the biggest betting guy in the world. I'm not. But what I will tell you is that based on the information that I have and based on the knowledge that I have, this is the, this is where I would lean towards when it comes to betting on Boston sports. So without further ado, I am going to start off by talking about the New England Patriots because let's face it, here we are, middle of the week. The New England Patriots are in an interesting place right now in the season in which they're heading into their week five matchup against the Detroit Lions Sunday at Gillette Stadium in a very interesting place. Let's just call it for what it is. Number one, they had to go to the third-string quarterback in, in Bailey Zappi this past Sunday at Green Bay in which he was able to come into the game and perform admirably. And I give him a great deal of credit on that because I'll be honest with you, when I saw Brian Hoyer come out of the game, my first thought was, uh-oh, this team is done. There's no chance. Like, a third-string quarterback, he's coming into the game. He's a fourth-round draft pick out of Western Kentucky. What the hell should I even expect out of Zappi? But, man, when I tell you that he opened my eyes, he opened my eyes. And he really impressed me in terms of how he looked coming into the game. He later admitted that he was nervous, that he had nerves going into this one. But let's be honest. He kind of looked as if that he was ready to take control. He was ready to take control. But the Patriots, on the other hand, when they needed him to take civil like liberties and take control of the offense late in the game in an overtime, they decided to go conservative and it bugs the hell out of me. It does because I am a believer in which that you cannot hamstrung your young quarterback in this league and think that he's going to succeed. You've already seen the San Francisco 49ers made that mistake once before. They made that mistake once with a younger Jimmy Garoppolo in which that we obviously know he was traded to the Niners from the New England Patriots. He he becomes a starting quarterback in which that he he takes the, the Niners to the Super Bowl in 2019. 
But let's be honest, he was more of a game manager. And the Patriots traded Bailey Zapper at Zappi at times, pardon me, as if he was a game manager. Although he didn't play like one, I could sit here and ramble off the numbers and say, oh, he went 10 for 15 for 99 yards. But let me tell you something. On some of those passes, he looked pretty damn good. He looked pretty damn good, especially against a pack of defense that, that at times did not look all that impressive. They didn't. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. The Packers went into this one not having the best pass rush in the league, but they did a good job of creating pressure on the quarterback. And I give them credit there. But as far as Bailey, um, Bailey Zappi is concerned, he played pretty well. I thought he played really well, considering the circumstances, considering that going into the game, he wasn't expected to, to, to get any playing time. Brian Hoyer was the guy that many people and many fans, including myself, expected that he was going to start. And he did. But let's be honest. He didn't look good. He didn't look comfortable. At times, it seemed as if that he was overwhelmed, that he was, thanks to a particular right guard in which that I absolutely cannot stand right now. And that is, and that is one Isaiah Wynn. Because Isaiah Wynn, you could pretty much blame and pinpoint him as being the guy that was responsible for um, for, for the sack that Hoyer took that landed him, uh, having him getting taken out of the, the game. But my goodness, <laughs> my goodness. Zappi comes in. He looks good with his passes. He's able to make the, 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 the big pass. He's, o- he's also able to make the short passes. And I feel a lot better about Zappi going into Sunday's game against the Detroit Lions that I did previously had Hoyo stayed healthy. And that's something that I do think that it is interesting to point out. And the reason is because I do think that if we are going to be honest with ourselves for just a moment, the Patriots are, have been hamstrung by, by turnovers. That's really been the story of the season prior to Mac Jones getting injured in the game against the Baltimore Ravens. That game was a story of turnovers. And that's something you just cannot do in the NFL and expect to have any sort of lengthy success. And at the same time, if you want to look at the other side of the ball, the Patriots defense have done its part. They have done its part in terms of being able to get after the quarterback. Matthew Judon has looked tremendous so far this season. I really like what I've seen from the secondary I mean, especially when you take into consideration that 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 Jack Jones, Jack Jones has looked really good. But let's just be honest. He looked really good, especially especially that uh, that that pick six on Sunday. Outstanding, absolutely outstanding. But my concern is the offense right now for the Patriots. But I do think that moving forward until Mac Jones gets healthy, you got to feel good about, despite the loss by the Patriots to the Packers on Sunday, you got to really like where you are in terms of where the Patriots are currently, despite their one and three record. 
They could have been two and two. We 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 know that the Patriots that they 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 were just one play away from being two and two. We get that. But the reality is, if you're a Patriots fan and if you're a Patriots observer, you really like to to take some of the positives from last week's game against the Packers into Sunday's game against the Detroit Lions. Now, in terms of the betting aspect, here's what's interesting to me. What's interesting is that the Patriots, when you're, when you're betting the over, when you're betting the over, the Patriots are 2-2 two and two this season, which, is, which blows my mind because it's like, really? But when they bet the under, they're also 2-2. Two and two. And this is against the spread. So also, I would also point out that as someone who is new to this, someone who's new to the betting industry, the betting game and, and whatnot, I will tell you this. Here's my overall thoughts on the game on Sunday between the Patriots and Lions. Number one, the Lions averaged the most points in the NFL, 35 points per game, but they're one in three. There's a reason why they're one in three. The Patriots defensively, they are a top 10 team in the NFL. They know how to take away the football. They're good in terms of, in terms of creating opportunities to, 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 to make the offense turn over the, the football. And that's something that the Patriots have done well this year. But if we're going to be honest, the thing that worries me is the Patriots' ability to get off the field. We have seen that at times and wish that this team has struggled to make a key second or third down stop. And I wonder if this game against the Lions on Sunday, this is going to be any indication as to where the Patriots are going to find themselves, especially as we, as we get later into the game, the third quarter, the fourth quarter, but especially the fourth quarter, should they be in a tight game, can the defense make a big stop? Or can the offense, which in all likelihood is going to be led by Bailey Zappi again, can they make the big play? That's going to put them over the hump. And that question has not been answered as of yet. You didn't get a complete answer on Sunday against Green Bay. But I do think you could potentially get a, 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 you could get a, a much clearer answer against Detroit this Sunday at home at Gillette Stadium. It's going to be a good matchup. And frankly, I, I'm predicting the Patriots will win this game because of two reasons. Number one, running the football. I really like, I really like what I've seen so far in terms of what I've seen out of Ramondre Stevenson, what I have also seen um, as, as well in terms of, um, pardon me, I'm, I'm drawing a blank here. But either way, Ramondre Stevenson, I really like what I've seen so far. I've also seen a lot. I've seen and loved what I've seen from Damian Harris. Damian Harris, those two guys, Harris and Stevenson, have been absolutely critical for the Patriots in terms of the run game. Does it leave it more to be desired? Yes, at times. But they've done a pretty solid job up until this point. My prediction for this Sunday's game is going to be 27-21 Patriots. It's going to be a, a close one. It's going to come down to one or two plays being made 
and as well as the, 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 the Patriots being able to take advantage of their opportunities. That is what I think ultimately is going to come down to. So I got Patriots winning this game on Sunday to, to improve the two and three. They're going to win and beat Detroit 27-21. That's my official prediction. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the Boston Celtics and with their NBA season starting in less than two weeks from now, my overall thoughts on the Celtics' odds to win the 2023 NBA championship. That is coming up in just a moment. Welcome back to the Believe in Boston Betting Podcast with Shukri Rates on the Believe Podcast Network. Glad you're able to, um, to, to stick around and, and continue to enjoy this podcast. So the first ever episode of this podcast, I am excited for this opportunity to join the Believe Podcast family of network. And we're going to continue to talk Boston sports. This is going to be about Boston sports. We're going to talk about the teams, the local teams, the Red Sox, the Patriots, the Bruins, and uh, anything that's related to Boston sports. And as well as with a, with a dash of betting, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, like the odds, you know, the over unders a little bit. And and as someone that is new to, um, to sports betting, I am going to do my part to make sure that I learn more as I go along. So this episode is going to be maybe 90 percent of opinion, passion to take, and as well as just giving you my, my overall thoughts on the local teams here in Boston, the best sports city in the United States. Now, the Boston Celtics, when I last checked, which was just earlier before I even did this podcast, they were favored at plus 600 to win the NBA title come next June. And I know a lot has gone on in recent weeks surrounding the organization, surrounding M.A. Odoka, and all of the the change that has happened over the last uh, couple of weeks. And so, but I think it's still fair to have the Celtics as the favorites to win the NBA title this upcoming season. And here are my reasons why. Number one, change in head coach shouldn't change anything. Listen, I get it. I totally get it. Emil Odoka was the guy who was largely responsible for changing the culture for establishing a defensive intensity with this team that they were sorely lacking under Brad Stevens. I get that. His importance cannot be understated. However, in the NBA, you don't win championships because of a head coach. You could be part of a reason, but the reason why you win championships in the NBA is because of the players, the players that are on your team. For example, go look at the San Antonio Spurs. Over 17, 18 years of excellence. It wasn't all solely because of Greg Popovich. Does he deserve a great deal of credit? Absolutely. Future Hall of Fame head coach. Absolutely. But the reason why he was able to have the success for as long as he was able to have that success is because when you have guys like Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker. And at the beginning of the championship reign, you had David Robinson as well, the Hall of Famer. So players and having talent on your roster 
is going to put your team over the top. All you need is to have a decent to average, possibly a great head coach to win. Head coaches do make a difference, but they are not the sole reason why teams win championships. If anything else, we learned that lesson in 2016. Let's face it. It wasn't the head coach that won the Cavaliers a championship. It was LeBron James. It was Kyrie Irving. It wasn't because of the head coach that the Cavaliers won a championship. So what I'm saying as it pertains to the Boston Celtics is that M.A. Odoka was, was not going to be the difference maker for this team, whether they won a championship or not, whether he, if he was there or not next year. He isn't. But let me also tell you this as well. This is going to take me directly into reason number two. Second reason is because the players themselves grew a tremendous deal from last year's experience. And let's be honest. Emil Doka's importance to the team cannot be overstated. It cannot be understated. But when you have two of the best players in the NBA, age 25 and younger, and Jason Tatum, and as well as Jalen Brown leading the way, you better believe that you have a pretty good foundation, two solid pillars in which that those two guys in alone and in, in, within themselves, they are going to lead by example and say, hey, this is what it's going to take to get us to the next level. Those guys have been working hard all summer long. That's a fact. Those guys have, have put in the work all summer long, all season, season long, and now as we are in the midst of NBA training camp with the season on, getting underway in the next couple of weeks, they are on a mission. But then, of course, it helps to go out and you add pieces like Malcolm Brogdon, for example. And unfortunately, Danilo Gallinari, who got injured during the summer, but when you go out and you add pieces that's going to make the core better and add to the core that's going to help take this team to the next level, the players themselves have to go out and prove to everyone that they want it more than anyone else. That's a fact. That's part of the reason why I strongly believe that even though Emil Doka, who is suspended for the year, and very likely may never coach for the Boston Celtics again. I believe that the Celtics will still and should still be the, the, cha the championship favorites in the entire NBA is because of the additions that they made. They're going to be missing Gallinari for the year, but I'm not worried about that. But also the addition of Blake Griffin is going to be a major, a major blessing in disguise. If it's not already a blessing in disguise, it sure will be once the season starts. And it's, it wasn't hard for me to see and realize what he brings to the table in terms of veteran presence and understanding his role on this team. It wasn't about ego for him and his decision-making in terms of his, his decision to, to join the Boston Celtics. It was realizing that, oh, my God, this environment is different than anywhere else that I've been in the NBA. That's what he realized. And that's what he said. I'm paraphrasing what he said. So the Celtics being a plus 600 
Odds on favorites to win the NBA championship this season still, despite all the turmoil, all in which that the Celtics have gone through in terms of Odoka no longer being the head coach for this season. Who knows what the future holds? Should be no surprise. And then reason number three, why I think the Celtics should, in fact, be the odds on favorite to win an NBA title this, this year. I believe that not only is it hard to repeat in the NBA, there's only been a handful of teams that have repeated successfully winning back-to-back titles. The Golden State Warriors were the last team to do it in 2017-18. So the core guys that were there in 2017-18, they're still there. But also, this is a different NBA now than what it was maybe just five years ago. I do think the influx of new young talent and new and these new teams in which that they added these new young talent. Like you think of the Dallas's of the world. You think of Phoenix. You think of the other contenders across the league, like Philadelphia with the 76ers, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Miami Heat. They are all going to pose a challenge to the Golden State Warriors as to why I think that they, they may not win a championship again this year, but they could very much win another one in the near future. The Celtics, on the other hand, they are still the best team in the East. No question. And that's no disrespect to Milwaukee. There's no disrespect to, to Giannis Antetokounmpo, who, who is going to have another year in his belt, the sour taste of losing in the second round in that game seven, the way that the, the Milwaukee Bucks did. And as well as you're going to have a healthy Chris Middleton back. He's going to be a factor, no question. He in itself is going to be a reason why the Milwaukee Bucks are going to be dangerous in the Eastern Conference this season. But I do think defensively as a unit, the Boston Celtics, when you look, look at this team, in terms of a starting five and even the bench, you talk about Marcus Smart, the reigning defensive player of the year, and what he brings to the table defensively night in and night out. I expect that Brown and Tatum are going to be better defensively and that interim head coach Joe Mazzula is going to, is going to do an b- even better job of instilling good habits and continuing those good habits that were instilled on the defensive side of the basketball that head coach Emil Doka started last season. That's going to continue on this season. So there's very little reason for me to think that that the Boston Celtics should not be the should not be the favorites, the odds on favorites to win an NBA title this season. And those are just some of my thoughts on the Boston Celtics as we get ready for the start of the NBA season, which is coming up in just less than two weeks. It's hard to believe. October 18th, Sixers, Celtics at TD Garden. It is going to be a wild night and a wild beginning of the NBA season for the Boston Celtics. I can't wait. I cannot wait. I can't wait to see how this team works together, comes together, especially after, um, a- after a very difficult two weeks surrounding this organization, everything they had to, do- had to, um, to overcome surrounding the, the um, M.A. Odoka um, fallout. I think that this team is going to come out hungry and motivated to prove a lot of people wrong that they are still the team that could that could potentially dethrone the Golden State Warriors as NBA champions. As to whether it will happen, I personally think it can happen, 
but we really won't know until they start playing meaningful games. Right now, they're playing they're playing preseason basketball. I'm not going to read too much into it. It's pointless, with the exception of you are at least seeing who's who and what players have what roles on this team. That's basically what it is. But the Boston Celtics, despite not having Emi Odoka on the on the uh, on the sidelines or or court side, should in fact still win an NBA title this upcoming season. On the other side of this pause, coming up next, I want to talk about my thoughts on the Boston Bruins. They're also in preseason as well. Training camp is well underway. The season for the Boston Celtics, so the Boston Bruins, excuse me, start a week from now. That and much more coming up next. On the other side of this pause, this is Believe in Boston Betting, which Shukri writes right here on, on the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Believe in Boston Betting with Shukri's podcast um, <laughs> on the Believe Podcast Network. Glad you're able to take the time out of your day to, to, to listen to this podcast and as well as maybe perhaps watch it as well on on uh, on YouTube or, or wherever else um, this may be available. I just wanted to wrap up the podcast. We're talking about the Bruins for just a, a few minutes because with the Bruins season starting up in about a week's time from now, I think now will be a good time to give my overall thoughts surrounding the Boston Bruins going into the season and and what, what are my expectations for this team. Listen, every single um, fan of the 32 franchise across the NHL are hopeful that their team can win the Stanley Cup this upcoming season. I mean, that's just beyond. That's isn't that the beauty of opening night in the NHL? You feel like your team's got a chance. Maybe this is the year that your team finally wins the Stanley Cup for the first time in nearly 30 years. If you're the Montreal Canadiens fan, or if you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan who has been long suffering and have not won a playoff series since 2004, maybe this is the year that you finally win a playoff round or win a Stanley Cup for the first time since 1967, win a playoff round first, which would be the first time it happened since 2004. Or maybe you are the Colorado Avalanche, yet your hope is that you can repeat as Stanley Cup champions despite the loss of Nazem Kadri. He left as a free agent going to sign with the Calgary Flames. So that's a big loss there. But as far as the Boston Bruins are concerned, right now they are at plus 2,800 in terms of their odds of winning the Santa Cup this upcoming season. Let's be honest. I don't think many of us really expect this current edition of the Boston Bruins to win the Santa Cup this year, even though, even though that David Krejci has returned, even though Patrice Bergeron has decided to return for another year, and with the injury concerns that they have, you know, not having Brad Marchand to start the season, not having Charlie McAvoy to start the season, not having uh, Matt Grizzick to start the season, and now Taylor Hall is going to be week to week with the upper body injury that he has. This is a team that I think when it's all said and done, they can win and get to the playoffs. But as far as Stanley Cup odds are concerned, they are a long shot, and rightfully so. And I think one of the reasons why is this. I don't think they're very deep on the blue line. And I think it matters in the East when you begin to look up and down in the Eastern Conference in terms of Stanley Cup contenders in the East, there are three teams that immediately comes to mind. Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the New York Rangers, and I would even go as far as to say the Florida Panthers. Yes. Even though they, 
even though they ended up trading away Jonathan uh, Huberdeau to the Calgary Flames, I do think that this is a team that can still compete to win the Stanley Cup. And, I mean, I want to say to the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'm not going to be biased, but even the, the, the Leafs have a better shot to win the Stanley Cup this season than the Boston Bruins do. But with that being said, I do think that the Bruins, they have a lot of question marks that they're going to have to answer, that they're going to have to address, especially once the season gets going. And once things go- get going and underway, I think that this is a team that could surprise a lot of people. I think that this is a playoff team. I really like like where this team uh, currently is based upon what they currently have. I like what I've seen from Jacob Zaboro so far this preseason. At times, he's looked like the best Bruin on the ice. I really want to see more from Jack Nika. I really want to see, um, I want to see continued growth from, from the young guys and, 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 and John Beecher as well. I do think that this is an opportunity for, for the taking for the Boston Bruins in which that the young guys are going to have to step up and carry the load early on. That is going to be the theme to for at least the first quarter of the 2022-2023 Boston Bruins NHL season. Can the young guys step in and step up? That's going to be the big question because if the answer is no, this team is in trouble. This team is in trouble. And I think that for a team that is going to be down on firepower to start the season, it is imperative that this team gets off to a good start. And I think that this team can get to a good start, but there's a lot of ifs. If the young guys can step in and perform at a high level, if, in fact, some of the, um, the, the aging veterans like David Krejci, who's back, gets off to a good start offensively and gets things going on, on that second line despite not having Taylor Hall potentially to start the season, and as well as what does your bottom six look like? You know, you're going to have Charlie Coyle back in that third line. Like, is he going to be able to find the 2018-19 version of Charlie Coyle, something that we have not seen a whole lot of the last couple of seasons? So there's a lot of what-ifs, if this, if this, and if this. And that remains to be seen at how many of those what-ifs can be answered in the first 20 or, 20 or so games of the regular season. But this team is going to be tested early. They're going to go through adversity early. I'm expecting this team to go through some bumps, some growing pains. Because the reality is you can't replace one of the top five best left-wingers in hockey in Brad Marshine. You sure as hell can't replace a Norris Trophy contender in Charlie McAvoy, one of the top five best young defensemen in the league right now. It's going to be awfully hard to do that. And Matt Grizzlick, when he's right, He's a pretty solid quarterback for the power play. And I do think that this is something that if you are the Boston Bruins, you are going to miss his, his presence in terms of what he could potentially bring on the offensive side of, of the puck because he is an offensive defenseman. And that's exactly what he is. So the Boston Bruins, they're going to have some questions they're going to they're gonna have to answer. Right now, they are at a plus 2,800, which sounds about right to win the Seneca for the upcoming season but they have some major question marks that they're going to have to address as the season gets underway in about a week's time against the Washington Capitals. And that's going to wrap it up for this edition of Believe in Boston Betting with Shikri Wrights on the Believe Podcast Network. It's been a blast doing this first episode. I'll talk to you again next week. Have a good one, everybody. Stay safe and take care. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.